right. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome back to another Learning Tech Talks, where we are exploring all things learning tech and innovation. And I am joined by Todd Moran. And it's been, you've been on the show before. True but story. It's been, right. But it's been, we were just talking about this. It's been almost two years now. I think it might even be more than that. I think you've got it. I think uh, I had it time stamped in uh, January of, uh, of 2021. So, so it uh, was two that years, mark. Yeah. And you had just started at NovoEd, hadn't you? Correct. I think I was a, a scant uh, m- month or so into uh, it. Because I remember it was a last minute shift. You weren't originally going to be the guest. And then it was like, well, Todd's here now. We should have Todd on the show. And it was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, then I all guess I'll hang out with Todd for an hour. I, it was a, it was a pleasure. I, I made my transition from uh, from Edcast over over to uh, to Novoed, so it was it was timely, and I appreciate you uh, slotting me in. Hey, well, you know what? And I'm sure a lot has changed in two years. So today, for those of you watching and listening, we're going to be talking about collaborative learning, but we're going to get into unpacking that more because that means a lot of things to a lot of different people and we're going to get into all sorts of things like scalability the skills behind it what the future of that looks like but for those who may not be as familiar because as i was saying right before we went live i am have a conversation in may with 360 learning and they also talk about collaborative learning but it's a very 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 different world. Like we're not talking about the same thing, even though we're using the same words. So for those who may not be as familiar with NovoEd and what it is and the space it plays in, how do you describe that to other people to help demystify that? Yeah, the vernacular, always a challenge, Christopher, I find that. So think of us like this. NovoEd is a cohort-based learning platform, all focused on building capabilities for large-scale enterprises. It, it, at its at its okay. sort of sim- most simplistic view, and if I were to unpack that with a, a another thirty seconds, you know what we're trying to come in and do is oftentimes sit in complement to existing investments folks have made in their tech stack, and really power this sort of human element experience where we're tying the sort of mashup of content and learner and manager facilitator all into sort of one cohesive experience uh, across sort of a long form arc and solving for big things like transformation and global upskilling and DEI and leadership. And oftentimes for us, that really takes the shape of large scale enterprises. So we're you know, serving the, you know, 2,500 or um, thinking about, um, you know, l- large scale um, uh, enterprises in terms of um, tens of thousands of users is really our sweet spot. And we also power some of the sort of the largest um, external training providers uh, out there uh, in terms of extended enterprise, um, exec ed programs and external training firms. Yeah, because that was one of the things I remember from our last time that you span the gamut in that because when you really think about, yes, there's a ton of really extremely useful use cases, useful use cases. Can I say that? I can't. It's my show. I can say whatever I want. Um, But internally, but also this stuff spans, you know, I mean, I just think of the use cases very broad, not just narrowly. And I think when I think about this and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when I think about what we're talking about today in terms of collaborative learning, it's in many ways, this transition from, learning as an event to an experience and moving this transition from, hey, learning's this thing that happens in a moment of time, which we all know just by default that that's not, I mean, any skill you can learn in 15 minutes is probably not that valuable of a skill. (laughs) So, I mean, it's not like if you can watch something and go there, now I'm a master at that. I don't know that it really is a skill that you go you'd want to put on your resume. So when I think about moving to this longer form journey, it really is going into this experience of saying, look, skills take time and effort and energy, and that doesn't happen in a moment. And a lot of technology is not really designed to support that well. Yeah, that long form arc is such an important one. And I, in many ways, I think of that as being the big defining characteristic of the desire of this modern learner to today is don't make it event-based don't make it episodic make it continuous by design by by its very nature so we we often see a lot of our clients deploying 
you know what across multiple use cases and taking on a, a capability academy type construct, right? Where can I co-locate, okay. you know, tens of thousands of learners through extended programs and experiences where it can be shared experience through that. And it's not just consumption of sort of raw content and asset, but sort of weaving in these threaded discussions and polls and opportunities to submit work products and doing it in that really important point, the space learning piece, which is a sort of a core pedagogical tenant that, you know, that we take to heart in terms of the platform, because you can't just do it once. If I'm practicing objection handling as a, a sales rep or uh, a you have to do this sort of repetitive nature and then get feedback with that from peers, and mentors, and managers. And when you put all that together into a cohesive experience, one of our big tenants of uh, kind of investment areas, that's no what uh, at its core. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I know the academy terminology has has spun up. I think that's become a bit of a bu industry buzzword. Yeah. Uh, it's probably been a, you know a good year and a half. But I think that kind of thinking, which even I was skeptical when the term first started coming out, because I'm like, oh, are we just rebranding, mm. you know, the corporate university as an academy? Which in some cases that is what's happening. It's like, hey, we renamed this our academy now versus our university, and it's like, well, this is still still the same thing. But what we're talking about is the actual trans transformation of yes we know we're trying to build these skills in people we know that's not going to happen overnight so how do we actually architect and like you said right build the arc that people need to actually do that and my experience has been technology at least the standard tech stack does not do that very well. No, and I think it's, you know, this is, and I can claim this because I, I spent, you know, first first 15 years of my career on the customer side running large scale L&D teams and uh, the last yeah. uh, eight of which I was at Shiner Electric on the digital transformation, business transformation. But then on the provider side, watching this arc, you know, of, of places that I was at, like EdCast, an incredibly powerful piece of technology is a LXP to throw more, more vernacular at folks, but, you know, basically aggregating and, and creating discovery of short form content you know, and stringing together things in a playlist, you know, blog post after article after video, you know, is that really producing? Am I ready to perform in my job? And I think, you know, that's the place where we're coming in and seeing clientele saying, is there another way to go about doing this to solve for this sort of performance readiness aspect and to know that I've had to submit? multiple examples of a work product into my cohort, have peer reviewed on multiple occasions across a five week span and have a, a mentor assess a formal rubric tied to that, you know, all the while thread discussions. Like that's a very different experience than just stringing together a playlist. Well, and I think this goes to the conversation of transitioning from knowledge to skills, because mm. in, I tend to be very, Sometimes it drives people nuts because they think I sit the fence <laughs> the on this. But I'm like, it's not that. It's that there's a whole lot of complexity to things that often goes unaccounted for. And so when we talk about this, it's not sitting here pointing the finger saying, oh, these other things, they're bad. Don't do it. It's like, well, no, they have a place because there's a knowledge building component that has to happen. And these things happen differently than, hey, we've got a core set of job skills that we need to build into a select group of people that we know all need this similar experience to be able to do they fit together well but i think sometimes we end up trying to be macgyver being like well how do we make all this happen with paper clips and rubber bands and it gets really 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 messy it does i i oftentimes prescribe like that adage of you know we think of skill as knowledge of a topic or system you know capability is the ability to perform in a work setting and those are two very different things. You pick and you name the job and name the role, name the vertical, name the industry. And I think you could describe those in different manners, which which begs the question, what's the most sort of ideal way to go about developing those? And, and so you know, obviously we've got a, a vantage point on that, but um, I think yeah. a lot of people can struggle with that still today. So on this topic, since it's been two years and you know, a few things have happened since 2021. <laughs> I don't know, Couple. it's been a bit of a while, just a handful. <laughs> but on this one, I am curious because hit 2020 hit, pandemic hit, everybody went virtual, everything was virtual. Now I'm seeing kind of mixed reviews. People are kind of, what are you seeing in the way people are designing these mm. collaborative experiences in the sense of, are people still kind of sticking to hybrid? Are they doing, are they returning to in-person? Are they doing whole digital? What are you seeing across the mix? I'm actually really curious yeah. how people are approaching it. 
Yeah, I think you, so a mix, I think gamut in many ways. I think you've got certain verticals and industries where there is a demand to come. This return to office uh, is, is is real in this sort of forced dynamic. Now, I think what L&D teams and talent HR teams are going, if, if we're smart and we can't bring everybody back, let's think about this sort of hybrid work in perpetuity, then let's match up to that in sort okay. of you know, like for like. So I think we're, we're seeing a whole lot more on the blended side where yes, a sort of a digital first approach is fant- is fantastic because of the scalability that we've been able to, to sort of create over the past three years, we, or two years, we know we can do it, but we also, folks are sort of clamoring for these opportunities for sort of in-person, it's not pure play virtual. So, you know, okay. being able to des- sort of programmatic design that takes into account multiple opportunities, whether that's short form boot camp where you're you know, physically co-located for a little bit, and then there's a continuation of pre, during, post that happens in digital, or it's much longer form. And it's okay. a, you know, 18 month developmental program where there are opportunities for some on-site opportunities. And maybe you're flipping that classroom bit, but the, the cohesiveness and the cohesion of the experience still staying in that digital fashion because one, it scales incredibly well, and two, it creates the sense of diversity. Who else can come to that? Am I in the office in Manhattan or am I there in Hong Kong or doesn't matter where I am, I can participate in that experience. Well, and so I use this phrase a lot and it gets misunderstood plenty of times, <laughs> <laughs> but you used it and I want to call it the the con the point about being digital first in your thinking i think is such a critical component and sometimes that's interpreted as oh digital first you're just trying to make everything online and it's like that is not at all what i'm saying and even what we're talking about here because just in the examples you gave this is not designing for this community cohort arc kind of skill building academy, whatever. Let's throw as many buzzwords as we can. <laughs> we'll get them all in. Right. Well, when you think about this, it's not about saying, okay, it's either online or if it's not online, then we just don't think this way. It's like, well, no, it's about actually thinking about how can technology optimize the experience, which is what you just got at. And again, I think this hits at that equity conversation big yes. time when we think about leadership development, when we think about a lot of the development activity that happens the ability to go off to training, that's a luxury that many people often don't realize is a luxury for people. No. And there's a lot of people that that is not accessible. The, the reality of it, look, I just can't make that happen. And I may be hyper attuned to it as a dad of seven, but like, this is a real thing that, you know, thinking digitally first and saying, okay, yeah, maybe there's that component to this, but how do we make sure we're accounting for the fact that that can't be an exclusionary factor for participants, or we're basically writing off a large portion of our audience? Massively. I mean, I can give you a little little story and anecdote on that side because we had a, one of the largest investment banking firms in the world, you know, sort of powering a lot of their efforts, and you know, they had what what once was uh, basically a, a year long onboarding program that was entirely in person, and they would say, "Listen, if you're co located in these marquee offices around the globe, you had a brilliant experience. They loved it. CEO was the pride and joy of that entity, without question. I can understand." And then. March of 2020 hits, and now what? And and what does that look like? And so the idea of being able to move that with a digital first mindset had to be all digital for that short form, but even the run they did this past year for what uh, just started in 2023 is absolutely a hybrid model, but keeping that digital first mentality allowed them to open the aperture to all of these additional folks that weren't within proximity from a sustainability standpoint, they were having to fly people into offices so that cost savings and just the stance that they were taking on um, uh, CNS kind of internally as an organization and externally facing, huge benefit there. And it's not something they initially thought of being, well, we should design the program this way because we want to reach this wildly diverse audience, but now they're not going back. They're sticking with this sort of ability to, yes, have some in-person components when possible, but keep that digital first mentality because it opens the ability for so many others of uh, disparate background I audience. Lo- I love the way you talked about that in terms of it opens the aperture of it, right? It's like, it's not about saying this or this. It's about saying, how do we expand this out for a broader reach? And, you know, in one organization I was with, similar story to what you described with the onboarding. But the description I got from my global colleagues was, if you're not in corporate, you get the lunchbox version of the steak dinner. <laughs> You know, everybody's going to Ruth Chris and we get a, you know, 
stale gas station roast beef sandwich. And it's like, hey, <laughs> the triangle cut out great. And it's like, what, what? You know, hey, we we provide lunch to everyone. And it's like, well, no, this is a completely different thing. And I think what we're talking about here by having that digital first mindset is being able to say, okay. Who says we have to have such a diverse experience between those two audiences and actually making a better experience for everyone involved? Yes, without 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 question. And I you know the other part of that, I know we'll probably get into some of this later, but that you know, that scaling piece, I think it's something else that sort of opened eyes, you know, of, of LD practitioners when they said, My goodness, I don't have the ability to sit everyone in a sort of physical classroom any longer or yeah. take them to a destination on site, offsite event. Um, what well, you know, what am I gonna do now? And I have, you know, you know, hundreds or thousands of, of sort of employees. I think of you know uh, industries like aviation that laid off tens of thousands of, of individuals, and then to watch it swing back only after eighteen months and say, "My goodness, we just brought on." We worked with a, one of the other largest aviation clients in the world, and they they had some uh, uh, astronomical hiring. I think it was something to the tune of um, seventeen nine to seventeen thousand employees in a six month span. I, I just wow. can't fathom having like how are you going to bring them back into the fold of your organization, get them aligned, get them connected and get them productive in the field now because we have people showing up, you know, at Gates again. So I'm, I'm trying to decide if I want to hit on the scale thing first. You go wherever you want. I, I know. Well, this is the thing. This, well, I'm going to. It's my show. I can do it. I'll take it wherever I want. <laughs> but um, before we get into the scale piece, because I think this Please. is a really important one. I want to talk about the difference in the design and architecture mm -hmm. of this piece. Cause this is a real, I'm in a lot of conversations where people are talking about this and there's head nodding and yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. Experiences over time. We want to do more than an event, this kind of, and it's like, yeah, but this isn't just repackaging what you've done before and delivering it in a different tool and going, Hey, we had all this stuff in the LMS wow, we could like chop this up and then put it in this other cool thing and space it out over a year. And poof, we've created the Ruth Chris dinner for everyone. Yeah. And it's like, nope, nope, that's not it. So I do want to talk about this because you're at Novoid, you're really invested industry-wise in helping build these skills for folks so that they can do this. Because if you don't Absolutely. build the skills and shift your mindset on this, and I've been in conversations where people are like, yeah, I tried the whole cohort, you know, academy. It didn't really work. And I'm like, well, how about let's talk about what you did? Because in my experience, when you do it right, it's glorious in terms of what it can do. So I'm curious yeah. how you're approaching that. It's a big, it's a big shift without, without questions. So two, two themes. And, and then maybe I can share a little bit about sort of how we're trying to approach this and sort of uplift the sort of the, the collective uh, sort of global audience on this front, because it's a challenge. Make no mistake. I mean, that's how I, I cut my teeth uh, is uh, in, in sort of part of my master's was tied to instructional design. That's how I sort of came, yeah. came up through the ranks many, many, many years ago. But this idea of being able to apply intentionality and interactivity to content, not just chunk it up, is it radically sort of different approach for folks. So, you know, one of the things we're, we're doing at Nova and we've done for the past few years is run this LXD, learning experience design, open MOOC style, large cohort, literally powered and run on Nova. Is, I would expect so, nothing so less. If you told right? me you weren't, I would be like, oh, not Do you cut the feed at that point? <laughs> yeah. That Turn it off. Uh, but, you know, the idea of the, the appetite is out there for it, Christopher. That's the first thing I'd recognize. You know, I think yeah. we you know, typically have, you know, 1,800 or 2,000 folks who are signing up for this. We applied to get SHRM credits that are tied to it. We're working with one of our brilliant partners in Credly, putting a, a certification on it, hopefully later this year for that. But the idea is how do we get people to transition and sort of approach sort of new lenses to thinking about yeah. it's not just you know, consumption sort of maps to mastery or content equals learning or skill equals capability. What does it really mean? So when you're designing for interactivity, you know, what are the options that are there? When you've got that sort of short form piece of content, what are the wrappers you can put in with, through, around it that then tie a human element? And there's a huge part about practice and there's a huge part about feedback. And, you know, obviously we're purpose built as a platform to pull those two pieces forward in a multitude of ways, but having people just think through from just a pure design, forget the technology for a second, about yeah. those points of intersection. You know, when can I create opportunities for feedback? And it can be multiple variant. It can be peer only. It can be in a private 
fashion of a protected safe nature into a manager or mentor. It could be sort of in a global gallery type style approach. Then when it comes to all the interactivity, you know, what form does that take? Is it something simple and light point of entry, like a social poll that says, okay, I feel comfortable exposing myself, or is it far more expansive where you're creating mini team breakouts to allow a cohort of a thousand to break down to a cohort in a sub team of six to have some intimacy as they sort of work through a design component in that long form sort of, you know, concentric circles over the arc of the journey. So it's a challenge and make no mistake about it. But I think if folks really embrace and lean in to the sort of experience emphasis on experience to the yeah. design, um, it goes a long way, certainly from then the learner recipient side on engagement, which I think we're all in okay. pursuit of. Can we get people more engaged with our, our learning and well, training? And engaged and for the right reasons, because engagement for engagement's sake, I've been commenting no. on all these. Clicking things. on buttons. Uh, uh, well, yeah, know. right. Like, okay, Slider. they responded to the poll. They like did this thing and it's like, right, but to what end? And did mm. that actually add value to the experience? And I don't remember when it was, it was probably a couple of years ago, but I had done one of these on moving from UX to LX mm. and thinking differently as designers, instead of just thinking, how do we improve the user experience? No of what we're doing to actually, no, 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 no. Let's deconstruct the learning experience as a whole and, and be what you just described, relentlessly intentional about going, what are we really trying to do? And how are we building all of these different components into that experience? Because again, moving from knowledge to skills requires more than knowledge in different flavors. It requires that reflection, that collaboration, that feedback, that practice, and building all of those things in, this is higher order work. I mean, it is, and, and that's not to downplay nope. that information architecture is hard in and of itself. That's a challenge in and of itself, but it is a higher degree of effort to say, all right, that's one thing. Now we got to turn up the volume because we got to go beyond that. It's interesting because I did a, a, a webinar last week with one of our brilliant partners, GP Strategies, that we brought on as part parcel of that no performance, no talent, and no experience design exceedingly well. Um, and uh, Kara Halter was sort of my guest on that as we hosted through NoveWed. And you know, one of the themes that she was talking about as sort of hallmarks of, of that model learner is you know having that ability and that expectation to to sort of execute in 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 that way that you just described. And it's it's um, it's so important because I think folks are clamoring for that level of, of that collaboration, that feedback, and those opportunities for practice and reflection. It becomes really, really important if you can design for it because, yeah. again, engagement for the right reasons. And then the learners are really leaning in, you know, to that uh, to that experience. And one of the things that struck me, you know, she said, if you're doing this right in your approach to practice and application, whether the tech's involved or not, and you're asking people in the arc of that experience to perform on multiplications with submissions, with evidence, with proof of work product, you've just you've just signed off on Kirkpatrick level three and you didn't have to wait six months after the intervention. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have you to got wait. It. And it was right, in yeah, right. You got it right. <laughs> well, and it's funny too, because again, going back to is this really that big like I cannot overemphasize for anybody watching and listening, like this is not a small, like, yeah, marginal change, maybe see slightly different results. It's huge. Just as an example, this was probably last year. I was running the thing with a group of leaders and we were kind of, I love doing science experiments with this. <laughs> and so we were doing some things to see like, how much does content really impact the experience? Mm -hmm. So we brought a group of diverse leaders, senior all the way down to frontline, and we brought them together and we had built an experience that was less focused on the content. We're like, okay. this is kind of general content. I don't know. Like, but we're not going to put all of our eggs in, oh, we got to get the content right. Because if the words are right and if we structure it perfect, then it's going to be. Right. We just said, we know we got to do it. We're going to make it accessible. We're not going to make that the focus. But where we're going to put our attention is on the collaboration and the, you know, going back and forth, the practicing different things and really doing that. And we're like, let's just do this real quick, spin this up and see what happens. And so we went through and we had some honest conversations with the leaders afterwards. And we said, how would you like describe your feedback on that? And every people's feedback on the content was all over the map. Uh, I've seen that a million times, da, da, da. Like, oh, I've already done that. Some people were like, wow, my mind was blown by that. But it was all over the map. 
So it was one of those that validated that it's like, we could spend a ton of time on this. On crazy production value, sourcing the best. Right, like high production, make yep. sure, you know, oh, you got to get the right words and speakers and do it. But ultimately, everybody still was going like, I don't know, like it just really depended. Everyone said what I took from this was like this insight that this person shared. Or when I practiced this and I realized and got feedback that this is an opportunity area I had never had. And universally, we asked him, would you do this again? Like, would you set aside time in your schedule to participate in this? Every single one Was said, it unanimous? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. And thank you for not making it all about the content, even though some people were like, it was really helpful and I'll definitely reference it and use it and all that. So it didn't diminish the value of the content, but it emphasized the fact that sometimes we put way too much of our focus on perfecting we're, we're like rearranging the deck chairs on the titanic no like well i don't know what if we like put them over here and it's like there's an iceberg ahead like, like i don't know you change the trajectory i think i think that you know the hitting on course there's like this human element and i and if, if ever more palpable three years on into the pandemic of the expectation that i want and need as an employee to connect with my peers colleagues up down across the organization it is massive right now and whether it's time to retention or mobility or just the sense of like well-being and purpose in the, in the workforce at the yep. org like people are clamoring for it so again a wildly high production value produced you know slick videos and, and well-sourced content yeah won't get you that and far, there's a but, place for them that's my yeah, thing with, with it exactly people are like so you're saying we should never do that i'm like that's not what i'm saying it quit misquoting me on it i'm not saying that's not important and if you can do it, but I'm saying if you've got $10, don't invest nine right. of them on that. And then one on the like, well, I don't know, we'll like throw a, you know, Slido in the end and, you know, make it a little engaging. <laughs> Call like, interactive. Yeah. No, like just, just balance the scales a little bit. And I think, and we won't go down this rabbit no. hole because this will be the red pill. And I've got a video later this week on it. <laughs> but, but when we think about what's happening, what, so one, what you brought up. What happened with the pandemic, more than ever, people are craving connection mm -hmm. and human collaboration, which I get misquoted on this one too. Proximity is merely a variable in that equation. 100%. Can it be helpful? Yeah. Yes, but it's not spirit sprinkles and fairy dust that magically mm -hmm. makes things happen. And so being able to focus on that coming out of the pandemic is huge. But also when you think about what's happening with generative AI and its capability, it can do things better and faster than you can. When it comes to, hey, here's a hundred pages yeah. of yeah. stuff. Can you summarize this in three pages yeah. and call out some of the main themes? Things that you would spend weeks pouring through, it could do in minutes. And that can be terrifying but when you think about the fact that you think about all the things we just described on like, okay, how do we be intentional about these different elements? How do we design for this? How do we bring people together in a meaningful way? Before you didn't have time to do that because you were so busy reading the hundred pages of stuff to figure <laughs> out like, what, what is this takeaway? Like, I don't even know what this no. is. You don't have to spend the time. And instead of clinging to that being like, oh no, AI is going to take my job. Like, no, for yourself. let it do it. Let it do it. And then you can use the insights from that to go, oh, now I can actually invest $8 into the experience. And I think that's a really important thing as we look at how technology is changing things dramatically. Yeah. And I, and I hope, you know, for, for most L&D teams, I can say that because I'm a sort of re re recovering one uh, in, in many ways of uh, instructional designer, you know, facilitator, uh, instructor is, you know, lean into that because the idea of this is like, this is, this is, should be the advent of, of, of chat GPT-4 and sort of robotics at its core is it frees us up to do the nature of what we do best, which is the human element side of it. Yeah. And so getting into the design thinking and to the human side of that, and how can I create the most meaningful interactions that facilitate information exchange? And that's, that's where, you know, the, the nature of at least today, those AI models are struggling and will not to be able to appro approximate what a human can do. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I don't think there's going to come a day where we're ever going to want to turn over our critical thinking and decision-making <laughs> skills to AI. And, right. and I think that's just it is it's like, those are the important things that we can spend more time doing that we didn't have the time to do before no. because now 
it's helping us serve it up these things and go, well, here's some things you could think about that you can then think critically about and go, okay, who's our audience? How do we want to do this? How would we architect this in the technology? Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to, this is a nice little lead into this because now this <laughs> leads to the scale piece right. because this is one of the historical things that some of the best intentioned design teams and L&D teams I've known over the years have said, we want to do more of this. One, there was the time thing, which generative AI should be able to help you immensely with that. But then there also was this, man, though, like running the complexity of these things. Just executing a program. Or just something. pure execution of this with more. It's fine if you got 15 people in your class or 30 people. You start talking hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands. Suddenly you just see people shut down and go, yeah, I mean, I'll do that with like our top 1% <laughs> of leaders, right. but like, I'm not going to bring this to the masses, which is unfortunate because then so many others going back to the equity conversation, they just flat out miss out. So how are, cause this is an area you're focusing heavily on yeah. at NovoEd to help do this at scale. How are you helping this scale? Cause it is challenging. Massively, massively. So this idea of, 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 you know, we call it human interactions at scale, right? If the, if the nirvana that folks that we move from, um, you know, traditional sort of learning in ILT was wildly interactive, wildly immersive, wildly powerful, awful to scale. And then we sort of, <laughs> you know, moved on up the trajectory to be like, wait, we'll make everything self-based. We'll expose. We'll make it scalable. So we can just chop it into a video and then we push it out to everyone and great. And it's like, well, now we sacrificed everything that people actually enjoy. So there you go. So now we've tried, we're, we're trying and know to swing that. Bring them back to the back. messy uh, middle. <laughs> not, not messy middle, cl cl cleaner and up to the right. Okay. And we think all of right. That there idea. you go. This, this human interaction at scale. And so being able to say, listen, if you want to run a cohort that has 100 people in it and you need to do that 25 times a quarter because you're a firm of 40,000 people, it's another one of the big financial services firms that we have, runs 2,000 programs you know, on the platform, 50 cohorts every month going through here of, not, of, of notable size. What are the tools and systems for the L&D, for the program leader and administrator that we can put in place to ease that? So things like automated nudges and communications to bring people and habituate them back to the platform or automated workflows for feedback because if feedback is a really important like you and I talked about aspect of sort of intentionality of design how can we create that if you can only have a manager come in a quick look for 15 15 minutes at what I need to assess and who needs feedback and then in and out of the platform so you know being able to just again our focus from a technology standpoint about empowering the ability to scale. So if you only want to put 20 folks through a code, you can, but if you want to put a thousand folks through and then break them down into sub teams for intimacy and run that construct multiple times a quarter, you can, and it's not 4,000 spreadsheets and 18 Slack channels. And I track my zoom recordings. And what do I do with the completion data? And did that get fed back to my LMS? That's okay. a cohesive experience. And, and to do it at scale is really, really important. Uh, and I know there's lots of moving parts in there and I won't get too into the feature. No, but I think but it's a lot of the folks it. that listen um, to this and watch this are, it's a mix of folks and some are on the more senior side, some are, you know, doing the design work. And one of the gaps that I often see on the senior side is a lot of senior leaders didn't grow up in the space. And the mm -hmm. unfortunate part with that, it's not that you can't lead learning if you haven't done it, but one of the gaps that you have is you don't always understand the intricacies and complexity behind this. And you're like, why can't we run this cohort for a thousand people? Just do it. And it's like, what? Do you know how many emails and like <laughs> just the sheer you know nature of comms groups? alone like, will bury? We don't have a thousand people on our team to just. And so I think it is important that senior leaders who are thinking about this do think carefully about that yeah. because it does make a big difference. And you can put especially at a time when workforce burnout is at the highest level nice. ever, you can burn your teams out by being like, well, let's just do it for more people and not be like, well, but how actually are we going to do it? Because there is a lot of administrivia. And I think Massive. that's what you're hitting on. Massive, Massive yeah. administrivia that and it's always Always the, the idea, just what I see this, you know, it's a bit of the cobbler's son is that, you know, those L the internal L&D teams that are having to execute on behalf of the business and those critical driving goals and initiatives from the C-suite are are often just told, we'll just use the technology. That's to make it really, really simple. Well, not all technology is created equal to do that. And if you just no. need Excel. Yeah, just have, a, have the LMS do that for you. <laughs> it'll, like, it'll take care uh, of it for you. 
Um, so, you know, we put a you know, concerted focus on, you know, on those back end administrative pieces to make those streamlined so that you can have firms run, you know, hundreds of cohorts on a quarterly basis with with volume and still maintain a pristine level of interactivity and intentionality of experience. Cause that's at the end of the day, like they're still on the hook for that, right. When it comes to the business yep. so that, that, that better have been a good experience for me, or I'm not going to come back or I'm going to ask yeah. for something different. Or I'm not going to accept the charge back that you give to my LLB. <laughs> right. If I send my people my, through it and the experience blue, like yeah, I'm going to be, you're not, not too happy getting any more. Um, and the other big area I maybe I can mention, and I, I wonder, I have to imagine that this is a, a challenge for you and for others, is you know this idea of um, uh, both the content management side of the scaling aspect and the translation side. Two big areas that we've been focusing on. We've yeah. got a couple of things that came out in MVP this quarter around AI, con AI content translation at scale. So I'm not talking about UI and making it feel personalized in, in local dialect. I'm talking about literally like I author once, translate ad nauseum across, okay. across based on specificity and being able to do that is a massive scaling component, right? So now I can run a global onboarding program and the folks that are, you know, needed in Thai can be in Thai and they want to interact and consume, but I as an author can only need to sort of, you know, pen once. And I think that becomes okay. really powerful with the content management. Oh, I made a change. Now I need to push that to the 1500 permutations that exist out in the yeah. ether. Do I have to re-record all of my SCORM files that I produced in Articulate Rise? Or can I, you know, go forward now and sort of you know use a focus here? So two other areas that I think speak to that scaling that are going to become okay. more and more important. Well, and you know what just continuing to tie on this tech piece. And again, I love when we hit on this stuff because it helps illustrate how to use this technology well. So two that stood out to me on this that you mentioned was the automation of some of these nudging and kind of like rec reminding people to be engaged. Cause the reality is people are busy. Like exactly. a lot of people are well-intentioned on, I want to do this. I see. I want to develop it, myself or, yeah. I just forget. And I think of an experience where we had used again, a, and I, and I don't know what, what you have behind yeah. under the hood, but I've done some experiments with text nudging engines that, there's an, I mean, they're talking to a bot, but the designers have architected in the conversation flow. So it's not handing things over to the machines. We've no. architected it, but we know that, okay, this is the dialogue. These are the kinds of things that we want to ask. This is the feedback we want to give based on this. And again, that has allowed us to scale. And surprisingly, people are always like, yeah, nobody likes bots. But I'm like, I think you're operating off 20 year old data yes. in terms of when, you know, you were calling AT&T because you had things and it was like, no, that's not what I said, you know, type of a thing to, if you architect these things, well, they can help you scale significantly and Massive. actually improve engagement because it gives a pseudo human yes. experience. It's like, it can feel like somebody's talking, Hey, did you have a chance to, and again, this is the intention and critical thinking oh. we put into it is going, how do we architect this to feel like no. someone's doing it? So yeah, that they're like, wow, I got reached out by someone. Exactly. And the other two big dynamics, we put a huge focus on, on sort of designing the framework for our internal notification and nudging construct was around behavioral um, kind of triggers and temporal triggers, right? So now I it can it. be, this starts to feel the personalization where you don't have to have back the administrative load. Folks go back in and say, ah, okay, well, who are the 600 that haven't gotten through to module four yet? You know, it, it, week six in the program, Gosh, you can just auto-program that experience. So if they haven't, they get, they get yeah. plugged. And if they have, they don't. And now all of a sudden that's the personalization we want not yep. you recommended content to me <laughs> like netflix like yeah. no you helped me progress on this developmental opportunity and that feels very unique and if i've got an overachiever down the hall then they don't get they don't get those push notifications yep. they don't get them on there. and a lot of that stuff is robotic that's yeah. the thing like sometimes there's this defensiveness to like well we 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 should do that it's like do you really love <laughs> running these reports and being mm -hmm. like i gotta send an email to these 400 people mm -hmm. who didn't do their assignment mm -hmm. yet like that's not something you're going, this is really value add time yeah. I'm putting into this. And I think that's the component. But the other one that you hit on there, the translation piece to me is extremely encouraging. I did a panel last week where I talked about this and the possibilities of localization and yeah. scalability by saying, and you don't have to, again, that lunchbox version thing of going like, well, yeah. it's English because... Yeah deal with it that's the business language deal with choice. it like Global. that's all you get because that's what we got it's like what a tone deaf 
an insensitive message to send to people to go, we know you don't really speak. This is your primary language, but yeah. figure it out. And I think I understand why we have, because that has never, no one in my experience has that ever been their attitude. It's just the like, the scale, the cost, we change, like there's just no way for us to do it. And I think it's exciting to see, you know what? It's actually becoming something you can do quickly, effectively, yep. and efficiently in a way that goes, wow, you actually designed this for me. That's exactly. And the other piece, I think, you know, when we look at it through our lens, Christopher, of the cohort component, this a lot of us obviously was driven directly from our install base saying, you know, listen, we've got these global cohorts and we, we, we hate is we're putting, you know, 10 or 15 alone into this sort of isolated experience for this global onboarding, even though they're part of a function that is 3000, is there no way for us to sort of co-locate them? And so, you know, our approach down this path was say, well, yes, now we can. So if they choose to, and their English is up to par and they want to sort of consume and interact on that fashion, great. If they're not on a flip of a towel, now they can interact in, in language of choice, but we've co-located that Thai speaker with the Vietnamese, with what's coming from, you know, Sweden and yeah. all, all in one. And that well, and it's funny you bring that up because this one this goes back to sometimes well-intentioned efforts for belonging <laughs> create isolation cause bigger problems because it's like, hey, we want you to belong. So we've isolated you <laughs> with a bunch Put of people on. just like you. So right. go over there with right. more people like and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> You've ruined I the opportunity for shared experience with all my Right. Like, I can't imagine if people were like, oh, you're, you know, Christopher, that dad guy who likes learning. You know what? Why don't you go over with the two other people <laughs> on the planet like you <laughs> and hang out with them, but you can't participate with anyone else? Like, it's actually a very isolating Limiting. experience. And what's interesting, I love that you talked about the fact that you're focusing on allowing people the choice. Yeah. And I think if anything, as we move into 2023 and beyond, this demand for personalization and defining what that looks like, which is autonomy. Yeah. People want to be able to say, Big driver. look, Revolution. I maybe I do want to be alone over there by mm -hmm. myself with the one other person. And I'm fine with that. I don't mm -hmm. need to deal with all the other. And okay, that's your choice. But to somebody else who goes, please don't put me in that box. That's not the box I want to be in saying, you don't have to. You have accessibility to the rest of this if that's what you choose. And that is a powerful statement to yeah. send to your employees to go, yeah, we've designed this you to the best choice. of our ability, but you have a choice in what this experience is like for you. Yeah, the huge other driving kind of, you know, kind of tenant, both of our investment at current state and future around this idea that you touched on, Christopher, of cohesive experience and, and, and allowing that sense of choice. And so, you know, we pushed out a little bit earlier this year, our learning journeys, right? How do you kind of okay. compile together this sort of experience uh, for folks over a long form arc, but you allow some some personalization, some individuality and choice into that. So making these you know first several experiences and courses required versus this set, you get to pick two out of the five or these don't even unlock until you progress to a certain level is, you know, allowing those users to sort of navigate through that path and perspective, you know, based on their current state of knowledge, their understanding, their role in the business, how they're supporting a function. And so that just becomes so, I think, important on your point. And it's a different style of personalization than I think, at least where I came from in last role. And I, I think yeah. if, I, if I'm making a bet, I think this is the better variant of personalization than just- To me, it's, it's a more content. accurate definition of when I actually talk to, because I am intentional about spending time. <laughs> it's funny how much time sometimes we spend on like data analysis and research reports. And it's like, do you ever just set up time with your employees and like <laughs> talk to them and just ask like, Hey, and time and time again, when I have these conversations, this definition of what we're talking about in personalization, hands it's... down, that's what they want. They don't want, Oh, you're telling me that based on these criteria, you've predetermined this is more <laughs> aligned to my thing. Like, I want to feel like I have some weigh in on what matters to me and that you've gone, we've, we've accounted for that. We no. hear you and we've accounted for that. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the biggest piece when we think of, you know, some of our biggest customers for NoWed is we're not necessarily direct to the end user. Of course, we're wildly supportive of the learner. That's where we came from. Our, our, our origin story at Stanford, uh, Social Algorithms Lab, we care about the individual learner, but we care about the org, right? And that org wants connection, wants alignment. And some of the best ways to do that is to do have some intentionality of design, but still allow that choice. So it's not a total free 
for all in the, in the experience, but you allow no. some uniqueness of, of progression, which I think- But becomes... this goes back to the critical thinking of you're architecting yes. where those fulcrum points are. And you're actually saying, you know what, where can we do this? And again, moving, this goes back to the moving beyond knowledge to skills. Mm -hmm. When you're focused on outcomes and skills, there's a lot more fulcrum points. Yes. When you're only focused on the knowledge and the content, right, just, it's kind of like, well, you either watch it or you don't. Yeah, there's only so many ways I can serve this up. There's to only you. like so. two choices and you can't be like, well, you know, choose to watch it or don't because right. it's like, well, if you don't, then you, we have no versus if it's like, look, if you can do the thing, I'm not as concerned about whether you yeah. went through the pathway as we designed it. So long as you can demonstrate, oh, you can do yeah, it. And your submission for that effort and then it got peer reviewed and great you know I, wow you know the stuff i'm not right i'm not gonna clockwork orange you through like <laughs> our content in an attempt to punitively punish you i can't believe you worked in a kubrick reference into this that's <laughs> next, next level love it bobby uh, smashing sometimes stuff. i just feel like that's like the next solution sometimes it's going to come from LD on engagement it's like well you know what <laughs> there's this new vendor out there and they created these right. glasses that <laughs> It's a, it'll be get get you the behavior changer after if you want to see it in the world. One hundred percent engagement. 100 there's a, yeah, there's you an attachment that zaps but. people. Yeah, you know, people hate it and it drives engagement down the yeah. toilet. But, um, but so this also then leads me to another thing that you hinted at backstage, because as you're talking about this higher focus on automation, this ability to translate, all these other things, a lot of these components. I can see challenges with some orgs going, right, but we build everything over here mm -hmm. and it doesn't always play nice over here. So you had hinted that, you know, this is something that's on NovaWed's radar of saying, how can we do more to help in the authoring space to help craft some of this stuff that is more optimized to go with the experience? So I'm curious Definitely. where you're looking at it and if that's part of kind of why. Yeah, without question. So part of this is let's make the lives of L&D or LOB leaders that are producing content and opportunities for training intervention far easier. So we think of today, a lot of authoring happens on the platform. We think of it as a, you know, Novoed is in many ways a no-code authoring tool that you don't have to have wild expertise in. Can it recreate in its entirety experiences of legacy uh, authoring tools of the, the tune of Rise and Storyline? No, and there's a place and a time for those. So that's why we accept, you know, take a SCORM output if that's what you're used to producing e-learnings in. Mm -hmm. But think about the intentionality then, then how you plug that in is an object and asset around an experience that you're driving after. But, you know, more and more we're getting pressed by our install base to say, well, what if I didn't have to use those other tools? Because not only can I kind of assemble uh, and, and sort of amass on Nova, but I feel like I'm actually building there as well. You know, is that something that you all can, can sort of lean more deeply into? So I think you're going to see some exciting things for us in that, you know, in that arena as uh, as the year unfolds, because, you know, we're, we're all in on that idea of that creator platform in support of L&D, first and foremost, but also opening that aperture, not necessarily to the entirety of, uh, of an organization, because there needs some intentionality back to our opening part. Uh, of the dialogue, but but I think this idea of equipping and empowering others um, with sort of no code authoring type approaches in a holistic cohesive experience is going to be wildly important for enterprise yeah. organizations moving forward. How do we, yeah. you know, amplify the efforts of LD teams that are already thin <laughs> and stretch? Uh, is let's empower others. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I think. What was interesting when you mentioned you were going here, to me, it was a natural pairing. You know, sometimes I talk to a lot of tech companies and I hear kind of what their plans are and their roadmaps and am often very candid with my feedback on things. And, <laughs> As you are. I like it. <laughs> which gets me in trouble and sometimes. But, uh, you know, the thing with it is, to me, when you said it, I was like, this makes sense for what you're trying to do for a couple of reasons. You know, one, like we said, as you continue focusing on the personalization of this stuff, it makes sense that rather than trying to import, and it's, and again, you've done a good job. I'm familiar with the platform. You've done a good job allowing for it to accept. Third party like, okay, if tools, you have absolutely. other things, you can bring things in. We're not trying to take it. We're not trying to take their, their market share. Yet at the same time, inevitably, when you're architecting an experience in something, it always creates disconnect when you're like, oh, we got that gotta other go. thing we got to go do, and then we got to do it, and then we got to bring it in, and oh, we got to make a change. Mm -hmm. 
And so going back to efficiency and scalability, to me, the ability to say not everything, but sure. certain things, it makes sense that you go, you know what, we are fine. And I'm, I'm guessing you're looking at like, what are those things that people consistently are exactly. finding that friction and going, you know what, if we could build this in, would that make your life easier versus, exactly, Hey, you don't need exactly. design tools for anything anymore. Like, no, well, like no. no, that wouldn't make any sense. It's back, it's back to our adage of, right. When we say digital first, we don't mean only digital when we say authoring yes. tools. We don't mean you can never use another authoring tool. No. <laughs> you know, we can, you can always do that and, and, and then make it part of the cohesive experience in Oakwood. But just you said, you know, there's probably those, those consistent experiences, activities, types of outputs that you want to author. And if you could do that directly in the platform without having to leave and, you know, uh, disrupt your own workflow and get you more efficient. Great. We're going to do that for you. So, yeah. No, no. And I think that that makes sense. I think it also speaks to, and um, I'm curious on this one. It also speaks to as the tech ecosystems continue to get complicated. Explosive and I've been in debates with, well, I've been in debates with significantly bigger voices than myself on this. And I'm kind of the minority report on it because, you know, it's like, oh, it's all going to consolidate. And I don't see us going that way because when you actually understand the complexity of what we're doing are certain things going to collapse in on themselves yes and that sure, makes perfect inevitable. sense but there is this need for diversity in the tech stack to yeah. be able to address some of these things where you go well you just can't do this yeah. in this kind of tool and so it makes sense that you would go to this path also in terms of when somebody's asking the question well why would we invest in a tool for this type of design it's like well First of all, the experience itself is a justification, but now being able to say, hey, we may be able to optimize some of our operations, gain greater efficiency, and potentially consolidate some of our design tools as part of that process. That's just continuing to add value to the equation. Yeah, without doubt, and that's a, a huge push for us. I mean, I and I, I, I might be lying. You'll, we'll be a minority report of two. Then I guess that that defies <laughs> the definition of it. But I, I, you know, it's the, the point solutions that are out there are continuing to be explosive. I think you know, uh, learning in this tech industry is produced there twelve hundred discrete you know vendors that arguably are in the L and D HR talent space from a tech standpoint, and that was just it's overwhelming. You know, it's overwhelming, <laughs> right? and I, I, I fear for the folks when I was you know when I, myself you know. Today, having to make decisions about how do I navigate as I'm building out my tech stack and, and my ecosystem. But there is absolutely that saying that good enough is not good enough all the time. And so making intelligent decisions about the, the, the tech that you do bring in for personal reasons, if it can also support efficiency, allow you potentially to turn some other things off or reduce need and usage uh, you know, for that sort of uh, resourcing uh, spend reduction is super important. So it's a, it's a big focus uh, for us. And you know, kind of ties in with our approach on ecosystem interoperability, like make the, the yeah. investments that folks made recognize that you know, enterprises are big. They've made legacy, long-term, multi-year, multi-decade investments at kind, and they're not coming off them. So find a way to play nicely, to pass data, to exchange, to make sort of ease of reporting and tracking all of those. Uh, really so let's, pieces. I was going to dig into the measurement one. And then I looked at the time and I was like, that's going <laughs> to be another guy, <laughs> right? I'm like, that's going to be another conversation in and yeah. of itself. But I do want to talk about the integration piece. And now that we've kind of hit on this, like, okay, interoperability, how does this stuff fit together within the ecosystem? How are you seeing organizations do this well? And I know you've been, again, really focused as an organization on saying, hey, we're not trying to be the panacea of ed tech. We recognize we need to fit in with this. But how are you seeing organizations start to plug this together? Because even going back to this efficiency and administrivia, sure. that's always one of the risks of some of these things. And I've seen MacGyver cohort learning where it's like, well, we built it in Yammer, but we run it yeah. through Slack and we do. And it's like, <laughs> holy cow, like you're spending 800 hours just in administrivia trying to keep who did that part? I don't even remember. Yeah. So how are you helping pull that together? Because oftentimes people do have these other systems that are their system of record yep. or they're tying into things. How are people pairing this together to fit? Yeah. So in the most exemplar way, and this is where, you know, nearly all of our clients are fitting into of a more, more mature nature, they've made investments. They have an LMS. They probably have had it for decades. They might've moved to a newer one recently, or they're sort of in a, you know, another sort of five-year rotation. They may have even purchased an LXP because at the time, you know, a handful of years ago, aggregation discovery was top of mind. And they needed some way as a, a better point of entry in, into the system. 
So we do not try to play as your system of record for your structured assets, you know, in an LMS, your structured people data in an HCM, or even trying to own the skills tsunami of tax up, taxo and folksonomy. Yeah, I was going to say, don't data. tell me you're not getting into the skills nope, tax. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. You know, that's, that's not, we think of those as those are about, you know, external parameters of visualizing this, you know, as your systems of record, maybe that yep. system of discovery is your LMS. Maybe that is a primary front door for folks, or maybe it's an LXP where we fit is nesting directly inside of that as this, we think of it as system of engagement, right? So the cohesive, yeah experience is all happening inside of NOWED. And when that experience ends, we're passing transcript back into your LMS for tracking of unified record. When we need to define profile data for enrollment, we're pulling directly from your HCM. We just released our workday integration on, on that front so that we don't have to recreate okay. profiles and decide who gets exposure to this unique journey. We can do that based on entitlements. Are you in this geo and region and function? Perfect. Okay, so you can I'm actually start to validate credentials on like, because your HCM has a lot of this stuff. Exactly. And there's it's a lot there. of waste in the system of like, well, geez, is this person eligible? You know, do we have records? that they've done no. all this okay so that's a huge part so the, the folks who are doing it right really are plugging us in in that fashion as as you know in, in essence we are this platform but this platform that plays seamlessly with the other investments they've made in terms of data pass back and you know for the folks that want to pull things out of NovaWed, you know we're moving much more to that sense of openness so uh, we published a whole bunch of uh, apis recently on you know in terms of our advanced analytics if you want to visualize those in NovaWed, in the nature of how we do you know extract transform and load and how we present the data wonderful if you've got your own bi tool and your solution you just want to pull the data out and mash it up with other data from your people systems what have you we'll give you that access to that event store data so i think you know the idea of being able to be planning you know in that system of engagement but being really open about the data that we allow in and read in together with the data that we push out is going to be is an absolute must and at least you know certainly for the large enterprises and i would say even you know kind of in the mid-market space an expectation that you talk to multiple systems is just table stakes now yeah it, it pretty much has and i would say the industry has gotten much better at this than they were I don't know, five years ago, where the idea <laughs> have of to be in my data, system only. I mean, you have to, right? It used right. to just be, well, if you're not in our system, like, yeah, we have an API, but like, basically, it's, you'd have <laughs> dust to dust it off. And, right, <laughs> yeah, it. Right. it doesn't do call. anything. And actually, okay. if you tap into it, your house will light on fire. But, you know, we can at least say, we can check that off the uh, requirements list for your IT exactly. thing. So I think that's a, a really, it has been a progressive movement forward. And what's interesting is the way you describe NovoEd. And when I think about it, when I hear the word learning experience platform, I actually think more of what you do than what the market category for learning experience platform is. And I get it's, oh, yeah. it's you know, buzzwords. It's a, cl it's a claim term already. Oh, I yeah. know. And someone with, like I said, a lot more followers than I did created <laughs> the term and then it became a big deal. But it really was one of these, like, when I think about learning experience, that's on a very personal level. How am I experiencing learning? And when you think about these big aggregate management systems, it's like they're very There's impersonal. No and that's not it. bad. Mm -hmm. It's just they it's serve just a role. But that's not that's not how I as an employee experience learning. I, that's where I, I go when I watch a thing and I, you know, whatever. But like when I think about what you do, to me, that's more like, no, that is a learning experience platform that's actually you're experiencing the learning in the platform. We're going to reclaim the category. What do you think, Chris? First, we started here at this point. There you go. April 4th, 2023. We Let it be said. It. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Watch <laughs> the analysts aren't going to accept that one. So no, no. Um, with, with, with one last thing before we go, Please. for anybody who's listening or watching, you know, this can sound great, can be exciting, but if you had one tip for folks who are going, okay, we hear you. We think we, would like to make more, what is like a critical first step organizations can take to kind of go, how, how do we get started? Cause a lot of times yeah. that's where I see people get paralyzed. Yeah. Super, super valid question. I, you know, I think the, the, the greatest part about this is pick a really critical program, pick a name population that you believe has such um, uh, critical focus for the organization 
and try this experience. You do not have to create cohort learning across your entire organization and all functions and you know the entire catalog and portfolio doesn't have to translate. But pick that one that you think has a high degree of human interaction, a criticality of, of basically sort of performance readiness to execute in the field and cannot be accomplished and has not maybe to date through just rote consumption off of existing technology. That's a great starting point. And it doesn't have to be, you know, tens of thousands of people to start. Um, but, you know, think about that's a sort of great way to dip your toe. And please take take the free course on learning experiences. I've sent teams through it. Okay. Uh, our next okay. run starts, I believe, next week. I think we're still accepting registrations for that one. Um, so, okay. well, there up. you go. There's the call to action. If you don't know what this is, you got that. And the reason I was smiling as you were describing that, because it's it's totally great feedback, right? Pick the one thing and get started. I'm laughing because i was just thinking and don't let that one thing be your annual compliance training just <laughs> please like, let me yes, just let me be the first to say like don't pick that annual compliance training that you have to roll out and go let's make this an interactive learning experience your soft training is now brought to you <laughs> yeah. by right. that would not be that would not be a good use case so please pick a different folks, one. right pick something any yeah, other pick one. something other than that. any any other exactly. one than that all right. Well, Todd, this was fantastic. I enjoyed it as always. Thank you for making the time. Thanks everybody for watching and listening and uh, hope you got something out of it. We will see you uh, next week. Appreciate you, Christopher. Thanks so much.